0: Hello FI Europeans, this is Matthias and today I interview Matthias Richter from Financial Imagineer. He is already FI and lives in Taiwan, Singapore and Switzerland. He has been working for the UBS Bank advising wealthy people in Asia in the past and he's now somehow retired. We talk about his past, starting to work in Taiwan, his experience living in multiple homes throughout the year and what he learned from his father about money and success. That and much more in today's episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Euro Podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your host, Matthias. Hello ever Europeans! Do you like to diversify your portfolio and earn a nice and steady income? With Land Secured you can invest in agricultural projects and support European farmers directly starting from 1st of March. It's a great alternative for payday loans with a loan term from 6 to 12 months. These loans are secured by crop insurance, personal guarantee and a three-way agreement. Visit financial-independence.eu or click the link in the show notes to learn more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Financial Independence uh, Europe podcast. Today with me is actually someone who has the same name uh, like me. He's called Matthias from Switzerland. Yeah, he has two kids and um, is actually also right now in Switzerland, as he told me. And today we want to talk about his two homes, um, how he escaped uh, work. As he also has uh, something to do with um, or is advising people, wealthy people in Asia, we also can talk about that topic. And he's also father so that we will talk about how uh, to teach money to, yeah, to spend their money well and um, yeah, just to learn to deal with it. And maybe we also can talk about investing, but let's see. Maybe that's also something for next time. So yeah, Matthias, let's let's dive right into it. And uh, can you tell me a bit uh, what you... What you've done between buying your first bottle of alcohol in the supermarket and now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> my first bottle of alcohol and now, so adulthood, right? So adulthood for me, um, it started uh, with going abroad. So after my studies, um, I, I studied uh, economics and business, and I was very, very excited that uh, after my studies, I. Could actually afford to to have some time and uh, venture out a little bit. So I got extremely lucky at age 21. I participated in a TV show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Here in Switzerland, I mm-hmm. won 125,000 Swiss francs back then, and it was wow. uh, tremendously cool to to later have the freedom to to choose a little bit different uh, how to design my life. So. Right after studies, while some of my um, colleagues, they started to look for jobs, I ventured out to Asia and I ended up in Taiwan with ISEC, which is a student organization that helps people to work in different cultures, different environments. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result of that, I was extremely lucky that I managed to learn Mandarin Chinese, which came in very helpful after that. Next up was private banking. As a Swiss that speaks Chinese in Asia, um, I soon sooner than later I, I bumped into some people who told me it would be a great career choice to go into private banking since it also matches my my university background. And then I spent around fifteen years in uh, in private banking. After that, uh, first in Taiwan, then in Zurich, and after that in Singapore. And that's also why uh, in each place later we, we bought a house. So we have three homes in, in these places where now we have some flexibility as where to, to go, to travel to, and where to spend some time. And then in 2017, I kind of um, was lucky that I, I, just, I didn't just help the clients to get wealthier. I also managed to apply what I've learned on the job um, for myself and saved enough and uh, could cut the cord to to my 9 to 5, so to say. And um, since 2017 onwards, I'm working on some passion projects, uh, such as my blog. It's called Financial Imagineer. The blog itself is aiming to break down some of the things that I believe I've learned from the the wealthy people to anyone who is interested to learn to make more with their money and um, just to have a a little outlet there as well. Also, I I still manage a handful of uh, people who still wanted me to take care of their money, which is very cool because it keeps me engaged with the markets and investing and so on. So, yeah, and then I'm a father of two, like you said. I married a a wife from Taiwan, so that keeps the international part in the family. So we speak three languages at home, um, German, English, and Chinese. It's great to have more time with the kids, of course. Financial independence allows a different lifestyle, different setup to to actually spend time with the kids, with the family as well. And um, yeah, that's maybe
0: as much for now. Cool. And uh, how old are you now? I'm now forty one. Forty one. So you managed uh, to become FI basically before forty. That was thirty seven. Correct. Thirty seven. Yeah. Pretty good. And uh, why did you came back to? You mentioned that you came back to Switzerland. Why haven't you just, yeah, stayed in in Asia?
1: Parts, I still stay in Asia. So my business is in Asia. We, If it's not for COVID, I'm in Asia for more than half of my time. Um, We usually spend about three months in Taiwan each year, maybe three to six months Singapore for me. And the family is usually the rest of the time in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So it's a a little setup there. What I really like in Switzerland is um, the school system. It's something um, that is different in Asia. Definitely Singapore, if you look at the PISA study, they have a very, very good school system. It's one of the best in the world. However, the, the stress is also very high for kids and other things. Um, it's it's uh, I don't want to say it's repetitive learning, but I mean, here, I think the, the kids have a very different childhood in Switzerland. They can go to nature. We are very close to the mountains summer is also nice so so each season has different um, things and also my parents are here so it's it's great to be together as a family for now
0: so um would you say it's uh, i haven't haven't been in taiwan how is it to live there is it just a town so the whole island just town or how does it look like how's the life quality
1: Okay, how does it look like? I um, don't know how familiar you are with Switzerland. We are like 60-70% yes, of the country is mountains. And uh, Taiwan is a little bit smaller than Switzerland, like 20% smaller, but um, has also 70% of mountains. It's surrounded by the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it has 24 million people living in it. So it's it's actually three times as crowded as Switzerland for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so in the north, you have Taipei and Taoyuan. And the two big cities there, they amount for like almost 50, 10, 15 million people. Mm-hmm. And then in the south, you have an island, uh, a big city that's called Kaohsiung. In the middle is Taish- Taichung and uh they are all um at this uh western coast trip and uh you have a high speed train going there uh, from north to south in 90 minutes you can reach the the south point from taipei and um the people are super super nice um extremely welcoming to foreigners um very curious as well um the great thing is also um they are like just very open and interested to learn and um, so it's really a, a warm culture that i very much enjoy and taiwan managed to be on one of the top spots for expats so when you when you see at uh, which countries expats are treated the best it's uh constantly in the top three mm-hmm. at least for the last two three years
0: okay so you also mentioned that you um you, you've been living in uh, singapore not only in taiwan so What's different and how did you, um, yeah, why did you choose, have chosen uh, Singapore um, as a third destination? Singapore was a, a choice actually because
1: when you look at the private banking world and Asia, Singapore for many people is like the, they call it the Switzerland of Asia. It's a tax haven, it's a safe haven, so to say. They have a very strong currency. A similar population, Singapore has around 6 million people, and it's uh, it's all in one city. So it's very interesting. It's also super interesting um, for foreigners to hold their uh, capital there, to invest money there, because there is no capital gain tax, there's no income tax on, on dividends and interests earned. So it's a a super good place to do banking business. And um, after uh, having worked in Zurich, uh, serving the wealthy Asians, Singapore next to Hong Kong back then was the logical choice to go to either or the other. Mm. And uh, Hong Kong also uh, would have been very interesting. It's also a very, very uh, energy-packed city. And uh, somehow for for me, the career choice uh, ended up ended me in singapore which was also great we really had a good time my daughter was born in singapore and um we have a lot of friends there still and i also travel there very often whenever it allows
0: so and what, what would you say is the benefits of these yeah having uh multiple uh homes i mean you have this um you have maybe the cultural diversification that you can, yeah, you can enjoy just three cultures. You ha- can have friendships in in three spots. um You you can you can have use some arbitrage, um, or you can yeah you can buy stuff maybe in the location that is yeah. uh, cheaper. And also, yeah, is there any other advantages of having having multiple homes in the world? Sure.
1: So yeah, like you say, we we feel at home in in all these places, which is super cool because, uh, let's say, uh, when when the weather is getting hot uh, in one place, Singapore is always hot. In Taiwan, the summer can be up to 40 degrees sometimes, you can, you can uh, go to another place again. On the other side, we have friends in Singapore, we have family in Switzerland and uh, Taiwan, so we can always spend extended periods of time in each of the places without having to have a hotel or live with someone together and um maybe from a financial perspective i feel it's also very interesting as a not just uh, you mentioned arbitrage of course you can do a lot of geographic arbitrage by purchasing certain things in different places mm. but the other thing um if you look at the macroeconomic outlook of maybe which of these places will do better in the future mm. it's also like a hedge you have People saying that maybe this century will be the century of China or of Asia. So if there the, the value goes up a lot, it's also interesting to, to own some real estate in these places. Also, uh, Singapore has very limited land as such. And a lot of people that are wealthy in Asia, they want to have a domicile in Singapore as well. So they they are flocking into, into the city state, uh, mm. trying to buy a, an apartment to have a domicile there. Mm-hmm. And the more people want to implement that for their life, the higher the, the real estate value goes. So it's getting more and more crowded, more uh, in demand. And uh, Singapore is also a great place to start a business. It's one of the easiest places in the world to, to start a business and to for taxes, it's great. So you have the, the tax declaration in Singapore is simply like two, three mouse clicks. Um, wow. it's, it's very different from from other places. It's it's all made. Singapore is. Some people say it's not really a, a nation or a city. It's like a business. <laughs> That's <laughs> what some people say.
0: And they have urban gardening. I have seen that they uh, oh yes plant some fruits in on on houses and so on because uh, they have not enough space. Yes, very interesting uh, how they built the city, but there are also some restrictions and how you can behave. So you should not be drunk, maybe or yeah, <laughs> or anything. Drunk, being drunk is fine, um, yeah. but you sh- you should just stay within the
1: restrictions. Um, some people say Singapore is a fine city. Mm-hmm. Fine can be in terms of good, but it can also be a fine that you can get if you do something. Yeah. So you can <laughs> get fined. <laughs> so be careful to do things that are not really welcome in singapore it's it's not it's not nice if you're a guest there or and um, respecting their rules is something that that allows also the high standard of living there the quality of living they have so the chewing gums for instance that's the the usual thing people like to talk about it's forbidden mm. to to chew chewing gums um, in the in the metro in singapore because once they started with the metro service, people just put the 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 chewing the used chewing gums under the seats, mm. so they simply forbid it because they say it's it's easier that way. Mm. Alcohol has a very high tax, so if you want to buy a can of beer in the supermarket, I have
0: some beer, yeah, but it's without alcohol
1: <laughs> oh, cheers <laughs> so. Yeah, beer uh, there costs you very uh, much actually. So, like a, a little can of beer costs you somewhere around five euros in the supermarket. It's if you go to a restaurant,
0: it's not not a nice place. You have <laughs> to bring your <laughs> beer. Or a, I actually
1: brew my beer in Singapore, which ah. is legal. So I I have a, a brew set there, and then <laughs> you you can actually it's allowed per household. To hmm. brew around thirty liters of beer per head of the household, so per month, it, per month, correct? Oh, yeah. So okay. <laughs> I, I don't drink more than that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, and it, it's also um, if, if there is um, there's a war in Switzerland, you have always a fallback uh, option to uh, move some, uh, somewhere yeah. else, or if maybe tax goes up too much in in Europe. Uh, after COVID, and you can also go somewhere else, and also the other way around. So Sorry. always have a backup option. It could be instable in different places. Also, Taiwan has some
1: um how to say like political difficulties with China, mm. so that could could also be an issue there, right? So you never know.
0: Yeah, yeah. When do you know when to leave uh, Taiwan? Because uh, many people are living there that I follow, but um, yeah, it's getting. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, there's a conflict now, with China. so the, the conflict is like a Cold War. I believe it
1: should not escalate. There are brothers on both sides of the streets. They are both mm. Chinese origin or, or like ethnics, so to say. Mm. And um, just uh, one, one side says we are the Republic of China, the others are the People's Republic of China.
0: Mm.
1: It, it's a difficult topic. But um, I, I don't believe some un, not well thought through kind of uh, action will happen there. Okay. I, I don't believe that. When I entered Taiwan the first time, that was the year 2004, President Chen Shui bian was just elected and got shot in the tummy. <laughs> so, and and all these things, I mean, in 1996, there were missiles flying over the Taiwan Strait. Mm. It's uh, something that they just live with it. And uh, I think yeah. that's uh, nothing to be too much worried about.
0: And um, what what do you think what's one when, when who whom would you um, recommend be just a normal dig- digital nomad who's living in couchsurfing or rent something and when would you choose the other model where you have own the assets and you can stay in these places or maybe also are a citizen of these okay. countries?
1: Maybe if if somebody Um, is young, has maybe not yet a family, no kids yet, and um, is uh, also enjoying to travel a lot, then probably you don't need to have roots at one place or another, right? So then it's Probably not so smart. I also say the same thing if people ask me, when is the right point to buy real estate? And um, some people, when they're young, they simply buy a real estate somewhere close to their current job. But then two or three years later, maybe the job changes. They, They have some other changes happening in their life. And then the real estate is still there. So I think as long as you don't really have roots somewhere, Mm. there's no urgent need to to buy real estate. And if you think you're missing out in terms of not investing, you can invest in ETFs in equities and other things to make up for the inflation uh, Mm. change that you might uh, be protected from by buying a house, right? And so, so there. I think once you have kids, or for us, it was very clear. Our, our first property was actually the one we bought in Taiwan, which back then it it was a great bargain. We we bought it in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, was mm-hmm. just after the financial crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. Interest was rock bottom. The real estate prices came off, and then we we found a great deal there. So it's also a, a question of timing. Uh, some people say don't time the market, but if you Real estate is something else. Probably, again, you can actually do different things with real estate. Number one, if you compare it with equities on the stock exchange, it's a public market and you have a big trading volume every day. Real estate is something more between two people. Somebody wants to sell, somebody may want to buy, and there you can actually find each other individually. You see, you can actually negotiate and you can see what the deal means for both parties. Mm -hmm. So. I think once you you are more rooted or settled down, I think then it becomes more interesting to look where you want to actually buy real estate. And then if the digital nomad later transforms into someone that may want to buy real estate, then, of course, you should look at the long-term outlook of the place. Where do you think this country will be in 20 years from now or longer? What do you see happening with tax levels? So if if you see at some places in Europe, they actually attracted some Chinese investors to buy real estate uh, after the Europe crisis of 2011. And then when it was the Chinese who bought in in Portugal and in Spain, and then later the people there got angry because the, the housing prices were shooting up, but actually the money came in. And Mm -hmm. then they were punishing the foreign buyers uh, because they didn't live there and pay income taxes and others. So actually, when you buy real estate, you should also look at the political situation. Um, So look at it like an investment. Where do you see the place 20 years from now? How do you see the tax regime? Is it something you may need for your business or is it some place that is very convenient to travel? So let's Mm -hmm. say some of my friends, they like Dubai. Um Dubai has no income tax. And if you have a house there and you have the the great airline, the Emirates, right? You can actually fly anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on your life design, so to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You're living at the best place um to travel um in in, in Dubai. So it's like staying at the airport <laughs> <basically, Yeah. laughs> to everywhere. Um yeah cool and so you you say okay get get your roots maybe have a child um uh, then you should probably uh, marry somebody from another country so it's easier to have also roots somewhere else <laughs> if that's the goal
1: why not right but i'm not saying you have to find someone from another country but if that's something that you find interesting to 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 actually keep your life international that's definitely a, a good option but uh, that's also not something for everyone you have to manage different things, cultural differences, right? You have to understand each other on a different level, mm. which again, I think we we were able to manage that because I used to live in Taiwan in the beginning.
0: Mm. Um,
1: my wife lived in Zurich for five years in between. And then at the end, we with the whole family, we moved to Singapore. So we lived in a third country altogether. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time you move to another place, you go through something called a culture shock, Yes. Usually the, the first three months is the so-called honeymoon phase. You're happy. Everything is nice, interesting, exciting. Then it peaks. And after the peak, uh, you will be frustrated, angry. Uh, you will eventually turn homesick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, once you hit rock bottom, which is usually below zero, where you actually case the heart of that, then <laughs> the thing might hopefully turn around and the average person will reach uh, like a new normal after roughly six months. <laughs> and six months I think, okay. yeah, I think we, we kind of uh, got very good in that. So now we, we are just, uh, actually, the more you do it, the, the faster it will go, right?
0: And what was the, one of the funniest uh, or most obscure stories you you, um, you came across or that you experienced in Singapore or Taiwan?
1: Oh, well, um, so from a European point of view, um, I was a a young, like an ex student looking for a first job. I went to Taiwan, and uh, after I signed a a 50 page working employment contract all in Chinese, somebody (laughs) was uh, translating bits and pieces while I was actually signing off the pages. Mm. Um, After a few weeks, I, I went to my boss, and then I said, Oh, actually, I forgot about the holidays. I, I, I don't know how much holidays I have. And then of course I use the wrong word. Holidays is which days the are nationally off, right? So the boss yes. told me, oh, you have the dragon boat festival, you have the you have the <laughs> national day, you have this day, that day. And I say, Yeah, no, 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 no. What what if I want to go travel? I want to see Asia, maybe for a week or two. How many days a year can I can I have? <laughs> and then he looked at me, look at me, look at me. And then suddenly he he said, Oh. Are you talking about this thing? I think in, I heard once in Europe, you guys can just leave your job for a few days every year or even like two, three weeks, and then somebody else will do your job. You still get your money, and then you come back and you still have your job. Is it that? And they say, yeah, that, that, that. I said, oh, no, here, the, the first year, we don't have zero. <laughs> okay. And that was obscure, maybe not. It, it was just, uh, how to say, like, I got grounded mm. because... A lot of people don't know what what we have here in Europe. Mm. So you're not ready to actually take this kind of thing, right? In in Taiwan, if you want to have more um, vacation days or annual leave days, you actually have to build up seniority in your company. And mm. after one one year, you get seven days off. And it's also not very uh, well if, if you just take the seven days in one go. You actually have to spread them. And um, Hmm. well, that that was very interesting. And there were more stories like that, which really grounded me and uh, makes you appreciate much more what you have.
0: Wonderful. Um, Yeah, we we have a lot to lose here in in life quality in Europe, I think. Um, But sometimes it's also not. uh, Also here in Europe, you cannot take just three weeks off. Uh, Yes, (laughs) Uh. sure. Yeah. And, um, you also, um, became, or you, you, you just quit maybe the job in, uh, for, for the bank that you, you have also been, how you say, uh, advising wealthy people also during your, um, time, uh, you, you, you worked for the bank mm-hmm. and then you, um, just became a freelance, uh, advisor. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the wealthy people in Asia. How are they different from the, uh, wealthy people in Europe? Um, what, the, what, recommendations are you giving them and yeah, what, what's special about that topic?
1: Okay. Maybe, um, can start with one thing, um, as a matter of how history played out. So in Europe, if you look at the wealthy people, I'm not generalizing it, right. But the average wealthy person that has a lot of wealth is probably, was probably made right after world war II. So, Mm -hmm. and now currently we are in generation two or three who is taking over the family wealth. Some of the families are even more wealthy. They they actually endured the world wars and kept the wealth um, through that time. Mm. So the the wealthy uh, families are much longer wealthy here. In Asia, um, probably the, the big boom in Taiwan was the 1980s, also Singapore. So that was the time where new wealth was made. So very often nowadays, if you if you actually uh, talk to wealthy folks there, it's still the first generation. So mm-hmm. the interesting point is all of these people probably got wealthy more or less in the same way. Sooner or later, they, they build up their company. or they, uh, So that's now the very wealthy. Of course, you can also get wealthy by investing into shares and other things, mm-hmm. saving from your salary. But the, the really big wealthy, the, the, the majority of these, they, they took a risk somewhere in their life They started their company, pursued something, and uh, succeeded eventually. Uh, So I I have a little bit also a survivalship bias here. I usually meet the people who (laughs) succeeded, not the others. But uh, the the interesting thing is I can still talk to the first generation wealthy in Asia, which here in Europe is still possible with uh, entrepreneurs and so on, but it's not so common anymore. Mm. And therefore... um, that what I advise them, your second question, I think a lot of these people, they they actually know how to make money because they were the ones who built the business. So the, the big advice is usually as they get older, they also have to diversify their wealth because very often these people have 80, 90% of their overall wealth is bound in a company. Mm. Um, maybe when they get 60, 70 years old, or they get sick or have some issues, It's very hard for them to still have this money work for them or this machine work for them. And if they don't take care of that before they cannot do it anymore or before they die or have an accident or uh, whatever happens, life happens, right? So there, the next generation maybe is not ready or the things are not prepared. So a lot of my job there was to help them to, to get ready for that transition. Mm-hmm. Which is not easy because it's it's also something like if if you are the one who built up everything, you have to let go and give up control sometimes and uh, of of a part of your uh, things, right? So if if you if you sell your company, let go of some shares and then you buy the public market and then you have a sell-off like Corona in March last year,
0: mm-hmm. so it
1: could be a different feeling, right? Yeah. If you're not in charge anymore. Yeah, and you're that's, losing that's,
0: control. That's um, yeah, awful for somebody who just built it up.
1: And if you look at it, I, I also say sometimes people people who look at the stock market every minute they 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 could get a heart uh, attack just by by seeing the tremendous volatility that sometimes builds up. But if you have a house or you have your own business you don't have a benchmark that peeps and blinks every minute and say, oh, your business now just lost 5% of the value overnight (laughs) for your house. Because in the neighborhood, somebody sells at a very cheap price. Your own house, you also are not afraid that your own house just lost 5% overnight, right? So you wouldn't just panic sell because of something like that. And that's also when when I look at investing, it's also not just speculating or buying something and then trading. It's it's more like you buy something that you believe in for longer and hold it eventually.
0: Okay. So, yeah, uh, I also know some, some entrepreneurs who, yeah, they have everything in their companies and they really, they recognize very late in their, like in their end of the four, uh, 30s or beginning of the 40s that they also need to just re- invest in like normal ETFs uh, to build some, some buffer when, when they, for the retirement and they, yeah, sometimes, sometimes these entrepreneurs, they also have some, some Bitcoin or some, uh, coins, but, uh, it's maybe, yeah, not the only thing you should uh, rely on if you ask me. Um, but yeah, I also know some people who now started, um, saving. So I would dive to another topic, which is also interesting, uh, because we both have, have, uh, two kids and, um, my, my son, just um, since one year, is also getting um, uh, one euro per uh, week. Um, I downloaded the Knacks app from the German Sparkasse, so the yeah, local bank, which is not a bank, and or he had, had the choice between a wallet, a proper wallet. Uh, that my wife offered him and it's a beautiful app and he just decided uh, for the app <laughs> and now he's asking every every Sunday if he also got a, got a zero so what is your take on that how have you learned from from your parents about money and what would you recommend um, or have you some ideas uh, what I can maybe implement when my kids are older or for my daughter uh, yeah how to yeah just teach them to deal with money.
1: Maybe to start, I, for, for, I start with my story, try to keep it short, but mm-hmm. give you maybe two, three side stories there because I think it's it's some uh, very interesting stuff that I feel is important, and I try to pay it forward to my kids. So, yeah, what is money? When, when you're a, a little kid and you see this magic thing changing hands against goods, services, foods, and so on, you also want to understand it. You see it's uh, very powerful. And especially now, these days, a lot of people start to use credit cards. Maybe money is not so visible anymore as it used to be. So you don't see it so often. And uh, I believe it's a mistake if you don't let your kids see physical money and touch it sometimes because... Mm. Otherwise, it looks like oh, Papa has this magic card or magic phone or magic watch that he can just pay for whatever, yeah. and uh, you you never learn what is behind until very late in life.
0: So, so number save- one, make it visible. Yeah, he has saving goals, and there you can okay. see how close you are. So he's saving for one share of the of delivery Hero or just eat stock, and he needs. Okay. Um, yeah, they he just looking every week how how much he needs and uh, yeah, also he has two other goals. Oh, cool. But uh, so true, was, yeah, uh, so you you, you need to see um you just need to see um or to get a feeling about uh, oh. how much you have or how much you yeah, maybe lost. Correct. Then
1: I I do something with my kids. I call it Baba Bank. Um, which is they, whenever they save money, they mm-hmm. give it to me. I safeguard it for them. And the more they have, the more interest they will get for it. So let's say my kids have 100 uh, Swiss francs. I will give them one Swiss franc on Sunday as interest. Mm-hmm. So it's a very high interest rate um, and only for blood relatives. So very sorry. So my nephews and nieces also have their accounts, but I, I don't take other clients mm-hmm. for that service. <laughs> so, and and the interesting thing is it makes them really, really happy because they usually now compound it and they realize that if uh, they leave it there long enough, they will get the, the money that they earn from their money will earn money again. So it also has to be, I think that's number two, teach them compounding um show it to them and not let them just have to wait for one year until they see like 0.05% interest now in europe you don't even have an interest anymore in your bank accounts so to to show this kind of this idea of compounding this is my my second thing that i want to give my kids And Mm -hmm. I also do it the other way around. So my my son actually uh, wants he... So whenever we go to a supermarket or like a department store, my kids want to buy something. uh, We say you can use your Baba Bank money to buy whatever you want. So if let's say they have 300 Swiss francs there, they want to buy some Nintendo game for 100 francs. Mm -hmm. I cannot say no, I have to buy it for them. And then on the next Sunday, I simply deduct the balance and they will get less interest. So lucky enough, I have two kids because they will see the effect. The other one still gets more. I don't. So it's like a competition, which I find very interesting. And the, the, the compounding part, the negative way. So once my son, he wanted something really, really hard. So he didn't have enough money and I let him have it anyhow. So he went below zero And later on Sunday, when my daughter got some interest paid out, my son actually didn't get anything, but even more, he had to give me something for the money he owed me. Mm. And then I started to say, well, you can give me two francs now, or um, do you want to do this or that? Do you want to clean up the table? Do you want to clean some pans? Do you want to do some garden work for that? I, I would let go of this two francs demand if you do that. And then um, his nephew was very nice sitting next to him and he actually bailed him out because he bought a Nintendo game that they played together. So that was amazing. You could see the teamwork there. And uh, so my my son now is terrified of borrowing money, (laughs) which is something I hope that lasts. Maybe when he's 20 or 25 or 30, whatever age, he maybe will think back at that moment where he was below zero (laughs) for Mm -hmm. some stupid game. And so point three, I think... If, if you let kids experience the compounding and physical thing of money that you see it, you use it, and you actually teach them what is stepped, what does it mean to borrow money for something that doesn't pay you something, they will actually be able, hopefully, to take this over to the next uh, stage in life. Last point, maybe for that, I think when I, when I was around 13, 14 years old myself, I also wanted to buy some things myself, and I didn't have the money. Especially, I wanted to have a TV in my room um, in the late 1990s. And my my mom said, no, you cannot have a TV. Um, My dad, however, he looked at me and he saw how motivated I was to eventually wanting that TV. And he showed me the way how I can be a newspaper boy, which back then you could earn like 500 Swiss francs per month. for. I had to deliver 400 newspapers twice a week. Hmm. And... I was 14 when I got my job there, and it was quite tough because in winter, it gets super cold. In summer, it's hot. It's raining sometimes. When it's beautiful weather, all your friends are going to the swimming pool. You have to deliver your newspapers. And sure enough, three months after that, I bought a big TV. It was one of the first 16 to 9 format TVs, but they were not flat like today. They were big and bulky and okay. when i when I bought it in the shop, I couldn't even carry it myself. I had to call my dad to come pick me up to to help me drive me back with the t v <laughs> so I think the the lesson there was when you see your kids are very motivated and you can actually show them or help them to find a way so that they can solve the problem themselves. with money let them do it and then it doesn't matter what they want to buy of course you shouldn't do some illegal things but for the big bulk of it it's something um, like a tv or whatever it is let show them a way that they can make their dreams come true
0: did you do your homework after having a a tv yes i did i managed to do it yes cool so i I just um, got rid of my tv because i haven't done the homework.
1: If I may add one more thing, um, sure. my dad later also encouraged me to invest money into the stock market. So I also got a lesson there. And mm. he, I think I, I've seen also some wealthy people when the next generation try, so from the client's pool, probably, right? So if they if they want to teach the next generation to manage money, they are letting the kids see it, but they always, uh, they always interfere, you know? Mm. So I think letting go is something of the biggest challenges of parenting. And um, I think Mm -hmm. for money lessons to let go and let the kids feel themselves, how it feels to win, but also how it feels to lose money. I think this is very important. Mm -hmm. So I I have to say I was luckily very successful in the beginning as an investor, but maybe it it was not because I was smart or better. It was pure sheer luck because in the late 1990s, anything with .com and internet was just blossoming. Mm. And yeah, 2000, 2001, you had the new economy crash and I lost a lot of money there. Mm. And then I think I learned uh, important lessons with much smaller amounts that I would if I wouldn't have learned these lessons and do it now with more money, right?
0: Yeah, but there are also in the future and and right now opportunities to learn uh, losing money in the markets uh, for younger people. Um uh yeah, I think many there many plenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some learned also this le- lesson uh, with this GameStop. Yeah, stock. yeah let's see uh, what the Robin Robin Hood uh, investors will learn. And um, so you said, said uh, important this, uh, this, this, I'm just thinking about how to implement this, that my son could learn about this compounding interest. They have to have a task open. Um, and also I haven't let him lose money. But um, yeah, right now he's just, um, I'm, I'm telling him, yeah, you can withdraw some money from your account. But then he's saying, yeah, but, but father, you can, you can buy me just what I want. You can buy me this Lego Roboter. And i just did <laughs> um you could but do you <laughs> yeah i just I just bought him the Lego water anyway uh but i will also resell it and uh, very soon <laughs> on ebay But well, that's it. a
1: nice thing you can teach your kid how to make money with uh with lego or nintendo or things reselling
0: yeah, yeah he wanted he, he told me that he wants a lego train and I told him, yeah, we have to um, then uh, sell your Lego robot that you can have the Lego train. So um, maybe <laughs> I let him, yeah, let him write the the ad for for eBay to sell it. Let's see. Cool, yeah. And you also have read on your blog this this bucket, this um, this letter where you have the um, the fifty euro for uh, the haircut, and uh, what else? The, the 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 shoes or some fashion? was it your tip or was it something your father did with you that you have this? Can you remember? No, sorry, no. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's no problem. But um, it, on your on your article, I, I just read that um, when you were a teenager, instead of yeah, and you want you have this lifestyle clothing like a hundred euro jogging. Uh,
1: oh, sure, sure. Yes, the this? budget,
0: the budget yes. idea. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yes. So my, my father, that, that's my father's idea. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So my father, he had this envelope and every month he put some money in there. And it was very simple. My father had a budget for all these clothes and everything. And he put the physical money in an envelope. And if we wanted to have the more expensive stuff, we had to wait until there is enough money. And there was not unlimited funds. It was just limited. So if you want to have your Nike shoes or your nice jacket, you have mm-hmm. to make a trade off, right? Life life is full of uh, trade offs. You cannot have everything, but you can have anything if you concentrate to get the things you really want. And then you have to prioritize.
0: Yeah, you just skip the haircut and uh, to get your oh. uh, to your, sh- your expensive shoes. But this 50 euros need to be increased right now. I think it's, uh, you know, inflation inflationary. Inflationary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's at least what my um, wife's told me. Let's see uh, how that <laughs> will develop in the future. And uh, yeah, right now to finish it up, maybe um, you're right now you're, um, you're doing what you call recre- recreational entrepreneurship. So instead of just working, you have some, some side hustles that maybe are your main hustle because you have no main hustle so, or no, no main job. So what are you doing all day long? So yeah, the why why is it recreational employment? I, I like the, the
1: FIRE acronym. So it's like financial independence, retire early. So that's usually the where it comes from. Mm-hmm. But I I just thought of, yeah, instead of retire early, you can call it recreational employment. Or you can call it um, Retire to Entrepreneurship if you want to. So the RE, you can find other things that it stands for. Mm. What am I doing? Usually in the mornings, um, I get up, I read some news, financial news, usually what happened overnight. Yes. Then um, seven o'clock, usually I help my kids when I'm in Switzerland to, to prepare breakfast. Mm. And uh get them ready for school after that i am usually talking to some people in asia doing some things there and then after that i'm working on the blog on uh, i'm working on a money course so we will have a like a financial personal finance course uh, mm-hmm. online so you can actually check it out on my site under money course that people mm-hmm. can learn directly from me with me so the first course starts actually uh, on 23rd of march which is most likely too late for this episode And it will be live. So it's Zoom sessions um, where you can actually interactively ask questions. And uh, there will also be like a a millionaire plan that we uh, created that actually helps you to reach your goals easier. Then um, what else do I do? So, yeah, my wife usually cooks lunch and then in the afternoon, sometimes the kids are back. Sometimes they have more school. Then I can write more, read more, go for walks, uh, meet my parents, meet some friends. If it's not for Corona, my parents luckily are now vaccinated against mm. COVID. So it's good again to to actually spend some time with them and uh that's about it. So now it's the evening, and I'm happy to talk with people like you
0: on, on your <laughs> great show. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so it looks like just a normal day. Yeah, So just what nothing totally special or weird, just uh, some news, some, some, some food, some client work. So um, very recreational, I would say. Um, yeah, perfect. Then... Um, Let's finish it up, I would say. Um, Where can people find you online? You already, um, I think you uh, mentioned the blog. Um, Maybe you can mention it again. So yeah, if you
1: want to read more or find me online, you can go to www.financial-imagineer.com. Imagineer Imagineer is uh, with two E's. It's like imagine and engineer, the cross of that. Um, That's my blog. Uh, If you want to follow me, you can subscribe by email. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. I also have an account, but it's a little bit like not used that much. TikTok. Um, TikTok, not yet. Not yet. But I'm I'm going more and more into videos and podcasts uh, the last few months. So who knows what will happen later. You can find me together with uh, Yasu. Uh, We are doing a YouTube live once a week. You can find us on YouTube under Mm fasttrack.com, which is also great. Uh, There we have a topic on personal finance um, and talk about 30 minutes each week. And it's interactive. So if you have any questions, you can uh, write in the comments and we will answer your questions, which is great. Or just simply send me an email. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at financial-imagineer.com I am very happy if anyone writes to me. And I usually reply
0: within one day. That's faster than me. Um, and what I... <laughs> um, is there... Is there is there any uh, any resource um, we also ask the question always is there any resource maybe that is not well known uh, about uh, teaching uh, money to your kids or investing or financial independence that you have that um, that needs to be really not well known but also good um, <laughs> anything I from the top of your head
1: i i have this series that i started i have to i have to write my, more blog posts on it so i call it the financial excursions Mm-hmm. And that can be virtually anything that you do. So, if you go for, we went to see, a, like, a, a water dam, a hydro dam in the mountains, and for instance, so it's an excursion. And then I suddenly, when 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 I walk there, I see this hydro dam, and it looks like it's the dam to hold your money back. And then I thought that could be also the dam to hold your at uh, your your time back. Mm-hmm. or not just the water. So it's I use some kind of real life examples for my kids. Another one is uh, probably if you go to a, sh- a store, like you go to a restaurant like McDonald's, um, you sit down with your kids, then you ask them, so who are the three different types of people in here? Then they will say, oh, I see the people behind the counter, the people in front of the counter, But, oh, what's the third kind? And then I say, the third kind am I? I'm the investor. I hold the ETF, which holds how much of McDonald's shares. So whatever happens there, I also get a little bit of profit. (laughs) And actually to to try, again, this goes back to visibility, to try to make these things that are all around us and uh, more visible to the kids. Tell them this is actually what's happening here. So stuff like that so and also explaining them it's not really a resource but if i go to the supermarket you usually see oh you have the the cheap ketchup the very expensive ketchup the big bottle of ketchup and then i i try to show ask my kids actively so which one is better to buy now Usually they go for the branded one and then I, I will try to teach them. So, okay, we can take the branded one, but which one is better? And then they have the, the price per hundred milliliter, for instance. And mm. They usually put it up there in the supermarket shelves and you read, you let the kids read these little things and then compare. So I try to
0: teach a lot on the go mm. So it's a resource. So no, just resource in the real world, basically. Um, yeah or maybe for a book. I, I have
1: a, an awesome book that I read. It's um, how to turn a hundred dollars into a million.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: My son loves that.
0: It's also for, for what age uh, you can you can give somebody to read?
1: This is this is probably from the time they can read until maybe 12, but I think even later than that they are still interested in it. It's, it's easy to read.
0: Mm-hmm. So awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I read it, too. I read it, too. And I enjoyed it because it's sometimes when you look at some finance books or money books, some are written very well. Mm -hmm. Not just right. If if we talk about the books that are not for kids, like I I Love Your Money or Your Life, The Simple Path to Wealth. There's a lot of these books or The the Millionaire Next Door, which is also awesome. But then simple books for kids can also be very, very uh, cool for adults. And uh, I bought a a very nice book for my wife at FinCon three years ago. That was the Sassy Investor. Um, She also has a Twitter account, uh, the author. And that's uh, very, very cool. It's more for, like you can say, for women who want to manage money more. Um, It's cool. It's, it's, It's extremely nicely done.
0: Mm-hmm. So I will put the uh, book links also in the in the show notes. So for people just without the affiliate, just to click on it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, um, is there any actionable tip for somebody maybe who's in their twenties or uh, yeah, um, who just wanted to start on the path to FI? Not everybody is so um, yeah experienced. Is there any yeah. uh, any tip you can give? Um, these people. If
1: you're in your 20s, um, well, it's very, very straightforward. Um, focus on your earning power first. That's the focus on things that you can control in the first place. I think if you're young, number one is uh, try to get more money, earn more money first. But uh, also don't wait with investing. So, so increase the, the difference between your expenses and income and put the rest to work. When you are ready to settle, when you start a family or if you want to buy real estate, real estate uh, is great as well. So you combine it. Maybe the the big tip is a lot of people do the mistake. So let's say they see the house they want to buy and the, the usual first time home buyer probably will go to a bank and say, oh, how much mortgage can I afford? and then because they show all their money to the banker the banker will tell them you can have 1 million mortgage mm-hmm. and then all the money is bound in the house and nothing works for you anymore and sometimes assets and liabilities are not as they seem so if you if you have all your money in a big house and you have to maintain it it's the house is maybe no longer an asset it's maybe a liability because it takes money out of your pocket so My big tip is try to diversify, increase your earning power, um, invest your money into shares. And if you buy a house, don't put all your money in your house, Mm -hmm. but maybe keep as much money as you put in the house aside and also keep investing. Um, Very good is usually to put all the things with the same bank. If you can negotiate a better deal for doing so, you most likely get a cheaper mortgage and better um, special conditions on, on your investment accounts and other things. Mm. If you combine it like that, you, you have an account that can do much more than uh, other people's accounts.
0: So also good to have, you mean to not having 20 bank accounts and brokerage accounts, but uh, really have one strategic one uh, where you can yeah negotiate a deal yes. basically with them.
1: Okay. I, I had some clients, they use this strategy to build up a real estate um, empire, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Well, cool. So they 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 kept their investings there. Let's say you have maybe if if you allow me just for two minutes, okay. <laughs> they had this uh, like two three million bank account and they went bargain hunting for apartments, right? And if you mm-hmm. let's say if you go to a, a place where they have to uh, force sale foreclose apartments, mm-hmm. usually the people there they they will not say, oh, I pay I pay cash. Can I have it now for 10% less? I pay you cash tomorrow. So if you have your 3 million in the bank, you mm. can have a credit line against your 3 million. And mm. if the house is 300,000, but you pay cash, maybe you get it for 270, which uh, your investment account is maybe uh, just used up with 10% of the margin. So it's mm. super safe. The market will not drop 90% in, in a day or two. No. then you you actually get the house at the bargain then you go to the bank and say look i have a house that i bought and i paid in cash the bank will be super happy because you paid in cash and the bank will want to give you a mortgage for that because it's new business for them another bank right so the bank will maybe for uh, You can go to five banks, negotiate the best mortgage, then you get some money for the house. Mm. And because you bought the money at a discount, maybe the mortgage will be as much as you paid for the house in the first place. Then you repay
0: your your credit line on the investment account. That's um, <laughs> that's pretty smart. I think it's it's just the other way around. Um, yeah, the only thing is that you need uh, basically easy pocket money on your bank account for that. Yeah, so strategy. that's now a
1: luxury a luxury setup, so to say. But I, yeah. I've seen people who build up a fortune like that. Yeah. basically no
0: no money down. <laughs> that, that's pretty interesting. I think this strategy, also for me, maybe in the next uh, after two years or so. Thank you very much, Matthias. Thank you for having me. And yeah, thank you for that. And um, see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Thanks so much. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the episode. We really appreciate you taking the time and we would love to hear your feedback in the comments on our website, financial-independence.eu. Or you can head over to our Facebook group and engage with us and like-minded people that you can find at financial-independence.eu slash community. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review if you like. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle FI euro And for people on our email list, we post occasionally about special updates, ideas events and create the best contents from the european fi community you can find that at financial-independence.eu slash newsletter thank you for being part of the community and see you in the next episode